Greetings to all sentient life forms in the universe. Welcome to Poetic Earthlings, a show that will provoke, inspire, and alter your perception. Remember to rate and review our show on Apple Podcast and other interstellar platforms. Here's your host from a remote location south of the 49th parallel, York Campbell. Handcuffs almost cut off my blood circulation. Guns were pointed. Before I could make any sense of this world, I was blindfolded and told to walk. The air smelt like burnt rubber. Rocks crumbled underneath my feet. Before I was blindfolded, I took note of their faces. They were shocked. Besides the smell of burning rubber, I detected the faint aroma of perfume. I could understand the smell of blood and sweat, but perfume? People murmured. I didn't understand until I heard my name. He I paused when I heard this. Keep moving, one of the soldiers said, prodding me along with the end of his gun. A series of beeps was heard, then a door that sounded like a boulder was rolled to the side. Footsteps echoed off the walls. Some of the soldiers halted. I continued to walk with one guard leading the way. Where are you taking me? My voice cracked and shaked. To be honest, I sounded pathetic. The soldier was silent. Not a good sign. He's probably waiting to put a bullet through my head. Maybe I watch too many movies or perhaps I'm dreaming. Scent of perfume still lingered through the air. How strange. A set of keys dangled from the soldier. Key was inserted. Blindfold and handcuffs was removed as I was pushed into a jail cell. Catching my breath, I turned to look at the jailer. Instead of a typical male soldier, it was a black girl with long legs and short kinky hair. If you're old enough, picture Grace Jones in a James Bond movie. She inspected me from head to toe like a bird of prey or an exotic creature. Who are you? I asked. She stopped pacing. Why are you holding me here? She cracked her knuckles and rolled her shoulders. I surveyed her gun on her waist and the distance between her pink fingernail and the trigger. Maybe I could wrestle her to the floor, disarm her, and make my escape. These were delusions of grandeur. The only combat training I received was in Call of Duty. For the record, this chick has zero body fat, with toned arms and legs. I'm pretty sure she's a well-trained killer. She stepped closer, almost nose to nose. And then... She stepped back. You look exactly like him, she said. My face turned into a question mark. The general, you idiot, she said, 
taking pleasure in her crude remarks. I let it go. I was too fascinated to be offended. Wait here. I'll come back and get you. She closed the door, leaving me alone with my screwed up thoughts and a roller derby of emotions. On the wall close to the bed, there was letters inscribed. I paced the floor, checked my broken watch, and looked through the bars. Finally, I read the message. My thoughts in a corner far beyond the galaxies, hidden amongst the nebulas, light of beauty, distracting, no seekers can find it. Only my mind can find me the simple light lost in the universe. I read it a couple of times, trying to make sense of it. The simple light lost in the universe? Whomever wrote this message has a way with words, but I believe it was pointing to a clue. After an hour, Grace Jones returned, opened the cell, and slapped the handcuffs back on me. At least I wasn't blindfolded. We examined your spaceship, vintage technology, old world design. I felt there was a question buried into her statement, but she didn't pursue any further. Your ship has enough food and water to last a lifetime. Again, there was no direct question. With grace, you had to read between the lines. We walked outside of the dungeon to a one-level building nearby. She rang the bell. The door opened. She shuffled in and waited outside. Whenever I get overwhelmed, my nerves go out of whack. My heart races and my brain feels like a ping-pong ball. My medication was on the spaceship. I tried desperately to keep myself together by breathing slowly, focusing on one thing at a time. It was sort of working until I saw my doppelganger looking straight at me. Where are you from? He asked, catching me off guard. I stumbled around like a drunken fool grasping for words. I mentioned my city and country. His face said it all. He was clueless. He had no idea what I was saying. I scratched my head, paced the floor in tight circles. On a wall close to the office desk was a picture of me. I knew this was me and not my doppelganger because I posed for this picture a while back. The picture was supposed to go on the back of my first book, but when I was chosen for a one-way mission to Mars, I forgot about the stupid idea of being a world-famous writer, as if anyone would buy or even read my crap. I felt nauseous. The room started to spin. I stared back and forth from the picture to my doppelganger. Did I really travel 400 years into the future? I asked for the year. 2419. After he said this, everything was a blur. 
I moved forward, stubbed my toe on a cabinet as a book dislodged and landed on the floor. Grace Jones entered with cat-like reflexes and aimed her gun in my direction. Eric ordered her to lower the gun. What a relief. And he ordered her to wait outside. The book that landed on the floor is called Cosmic Travelers. It's a collection of short stories and poems. I wrote the manuscript a few years ago and stuffed the evidence in my closet. No one will publish this trash, I said back then. But now I'm staring at the book light years into the future. Eric bent down, picked up the book, ran his fingers along the stem, and handed it to me. My picture was on the back. I looked like a goofball in a formal suit and bow tie. A dedication was written on the first page. To Elijah, may your father's zeal of curiosity live through you. I don't remember writing a dedication. And who's Elijah? We both sat on the floor. He watched the confusion in my eyes. My hands shook. I turned over the possibilities in my mind. Each conclusion seemed uncertain. Elijah is your son. Your wife didn't realize she was pregnant before you went into space. He said, picking his words carefully. And who are you? I asked. He held my shaky hands. Your distant grandson, Eric said. He talked about my book, the way one would refer to Shakespeare as he poured me a cup of tea. What you wrote has stood the test of time. Your metaphors has been on the lips of mankind for countless of years. His eyes sparkled for a brief moment until it darkened. That all changed with the new republic. They said the old world needs to be burned to the ground to pave way for a deeper enlightenment. Whatever book or philosophy that didn't fit into their social agenda was destroyed. Countries relinquished control as the new republic became the de facto government. The maps of the old world was destroyed along with our history. The change happened gradually over the centuries. Nations collapsed. Power was transferred over to the new republic. Why would anyone allow this? Good question. He took a sip of the herbal tea and continued. After the Third World War, humanity was in disarray, along with the nation's economics and social structures. The New Republic rode in on a white horse and promised stability. For a while it worked, we exchanged our freedom for unity. Let me guess, they wanted a little more. I asked, talking over top of him. He shook his head yes and returned to the tea. We sat in awkward silence, like a young couple going on our first date. 
my mind went back to the poem inscribed on the wall. Of all the things I could think about, why this? Surely there was more important things to consider and more serious questions to answer and to address. This is what happens when, when I'm off of my meds. I tend to focus on the trivial. Eric spoke about the benevolent government and their attempts to protect their citizens after the Great Rebellion. Well, that's what he called it, the Great Rebellion. Regions were established and traveling between regions was tricky and strictly forbidden. Half of what he said went over my head. The other half sounded like Charlie Brown's parents. Are you still with me? He snapped his fingers to get my attention. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. There's a poem engraved in the jail cell wall. Do you know about it? He shook his head no. Poetry is not allowed in the Pegasus station. Well, I guess one of your prisoners didn't get the memo. You are the first prisoner. He said, giving me a stern look. The intercom turned on. The receptionist mentioned Senator Gravenfire. At least that's what I think she said. Damn it. I need my pills. I should have known. Should have known what? Who's that dude? I started twitching and fidgeting again, like a tropical fish thrown in a net. No time to explain. The report must have went out before your arrival. He's a nosy son of a bitch. For your own good and for the sake of this station, you have to hide. Special thanks to the writer of the Quickening series, Dark Samaritan. You can find him and follow him on Twitter at Samaritan Dark. Also, the poem you heard on the jail cell wall is from the Nigerian poet and friend to this show. Hopefully I'm going to get your name right, brother. It's Okon Yukemi Cornelius Dominique. Please follow the show notes. I have a link to his book within the notes. Thanks to the incredible James Ray, who commented on the last episode, Arrow of Time. Very deep, my brother. And thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this show so new episodes will magically appear on your device. If you think this episode was strange, the next one will take it to a whole new level. Be kind to each other. Be a good earthling. And I'll talk to you soon.